Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. This is Dave and Rob getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Not too bad. We're, we've got busy stuff going on in the world there. Lots of uh, lots of action and uh, means we've got to be uh, focused on the top of our game and consider, uh, you know, how the institutions are uh, engaging. We've got a lot of year-end stuff uh, coming up. And we have the beginning of, you know, tax loss selling if there are things that have really been beat up. Not obviously, we've had a pretty good year in equity so far overall, but uh, some areas have gotten beaten up and there could be some tax loss selling uh, there, just like we saw, um, you know, last year, especially heavy, heavy in, in November and December. And that was, again, part and parcel for the ones that really drive the market you know I mean, the fangs the magnificent seven you know this is what has been uh, driving the market last year on the way down and this year on the way up uh, so those aren't a lot of those aren't the big issue it might be some other stuff that people want to unload and take the tax loss uh, so there's always something going on but let's uh, get into this here so uh, we've got um, 15 minute chart of the SPY for last week, you can see that steady decline uh, coming into that peak that we had on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we did have some economic reports. A lot of them um, kind of put this inflation back on the table and uh, also higher rates for longer. And I think the market was really hoping that that wouldn't be the case um, when the wars first started in the Middle East uh, because you thought, well, hey, now maybe the Fed will go easy. And that, that might still be the case. It just uh, there's a lot of uh, repricing of, uh, of bonds, uh, you know, corporately. And then we've got the the banks still carrying a lot of uh, a lot of debt. And, you know, people are trying to sell new bonds to raise new money. And uh, if there's concerns, people aren't going to want to invest, right? So in order to attract them, you need higher rates. That's why some of these uh, banana republics have such high rates. You can attract any, any. Are we becoming a banana republic, Dave? <laughs> are we becoming no, no a comment. banana republic? <laughs> well, not, not yet, but, um, you know, we keep this, this trend going. That might be the case, right? So um, we had this decline with rate concerns and inflation concerns back on the table and also, you know, broader conflict, uh, the Middle East things uh, spreading to bring in other nations. Obviously, we've sent, uh, uh, you know, our battalions, aircraft carriers and things in that direction. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think there's more concern. We, we talked about this a number of times uh, since the end of July, and that is more risk uh, being presented and that hasn't changed so here's the spy daily and you can see uh, from the end of july here where we peaked for the year we rolled down in august kind of near expiration uh, set a low there popped back up started september you know on a higher uh, or a lower high actually started it that way pulled back got another lower high pulled back again 
and we've got another lower high in the middle of October here. So, you know, we did have we did have this bounce. Part of it was was driven by, you know, and this is hard for traders. We've had comments and, and things that people, you know, have a have a struggle with this. Why would the market rally when the uh, conflict first started between the Hamas and Israel? Why did why did the market rally? And then now, why is it selling off now? And there's a number of factors. It's not always clear about one thing, but we've we've looked back historically at charts related to the U.S. involvement in wars, and uh, it, markets do rally. U.S. markets do rally. So there's a lot of uh, a war economy type uh, impact there, but um, that doesn't mean that people, you know, are resting easy when something could escalate into a, a much bigger thing that, uh, you know, a hot war that uh, we haven't had for a long time, <laughs> uh, not since World War II um, in terms of a hot war. So um, people are concerned and it's, it's showing up in the market. And then we're also seeing, you know, again, this return of some banking pressure we've had banking earnings some of them in good some of them have been kind of uh you know a little bit more of a concern market is dealing with with that too and we don't you know we go back and we saw what happened in march right here we saw the regional banks being impacted well are we going that way again i mean regional rf for example traded lower than this the low that it had in march it just did that. So is there is this the return of the regionals or is it even worse than that? Is it is it uh, larger banks that will be impacted? We don't have time tonight to get into that, but it's all related to, you know, the uh, the massive route that we've had in bonds since the feds were st starting the aggressive rate hike in March of 2022. And there's there's a lot of bonds underwater. So big concerns there. Sector performances for Friday and for the week here and even for the month, you can see that uh, most sectors have been impacted. Uh, consumer defensive and uh, energy, a um, little bit more outstanding. And then of course, Meta, you know, has, has helped hold up the communication area and some of the other communication companies too, but there's not that many companies involved in communication services either. So it's kind of predisposed to what Meta and Google do. Um, and we've had some pretty good performance there. Here's the sector ETFs. You can see XLY discretionary being hurt the most for the week. Then the financials, basic materials. That was from the US dollar rising because of the influence of the the bonds and, and the yields right so uh, that's why we saw a decrease in basic materials industrials you know some of the industrials have done pretty good like northern grumman you know in the defense area uh, but uh, again industrials can represent the the market sentiment in a large way you know what institutions are doing a lot of those stocks are widely held cues uh, obviously technology impacted xlk the same thing spy you know the magnificent seven within the spy um, 
certainly uh, under pressure a bit for the week anyway. IWM, that growth, the growth prospects underwater. Utilities, they don't do so well when uh, rates rise because, hey, why do you want to invest in something that won't grow um, and have all the market risk when you could just put it into GICs and things like that? Um, healthcare, how, holding up better, obviously, and Dow 30, holding up better. Um, XLC, the communications we talked about. And then on the positive side, we have consumer defensive, XLP, and energy. And energy could be attributed to still we're dealing with the OPEC cuts. Uh, we've got the war. Uh, we have uh, still um, supply chain um, or we have demand with like a lot of things were affected during COVID in terms of uh, the energy distribution and production side too. And so not all of that has come back on even years later here. And so we're still dealing with tight supply and energy. So Friday's map of the market, you can see most things were down and there was a few little standouts like that Merck, interesting uh, story there. Uh, tobacco PM. <laughs> um, and in you know capital markets, Morgan Stanley and Goldman doing okay for the Friday, but let's roll to the week. And then you see that uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman were hit hard. Um, you know, Amazon, Tesla in the discretionary area down hard for the week. Um, we have uh, in the defensive. Now, defensive hasn't been that great for the year, and we've seen it suffer a lot, but doing well this week. And this kind of just shows that that rotation of capital out of things and into either, not, not necessarily leaving the market completely. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't have any of this stuff green for the week. If, the, you know, if every if every dollar was leaving, you wouldn't have that. So it has to be rotating. You know, money has to be going out of something and into Coca-Cola and Procter and Gamble. Right. And Abbott Labs. Right? Verizon. AT&T, Netflix, money has to be going in there. McDonald's, Starbucks, Nike, again, all these things, even though they're in the cyclical area, if they're selling Amazon and they're selling Tesla and they're selling Booking.com and Airbnb, you know, what are they buying? And this is that, that study of what's in an ETF and why do they have to act like that, right? So an ETF is, is statistically muted because not everything in the ETF is always going down. There's a clear example of XLY, and you have some stocks in the XLY are green for the week, and some are red for the week. And XLY is down a lot for the week because of the market cap weight of these larger companies here impacting it more than the, the benefit from these other ones. But if they're going to sell these, you know, they often have to buy these in just the way they uh, conduct their business. And then we have the month so far, and that's where the communications, Google and Meta shine, Netflix as well. Netflix, obviously, a big chunk of that came from its earnings recently when it popped up 16% on a close to open basis. And carried on for the day. Well, it pulled back slightly from, from the open for the day, but 
it obviously obviously impacted the week there and the month. And here's down in the aerospace defense area. Boeing, obviously, even though it's in the aerospace and defense, it's it's more related to plane deliveries and problems that it's dealing with in manufacturing and recalls and everything else. But uh, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, Northern Grumman, you know, they are purely defense and they really benefit from whatever's going on in the world that they're supplying stuff to. Okay. In the oil patch, remember uh, Exxon and Chevron are, you know, the largest market cap weight in the XLE, and so uh, not all the time do they uh, they move with the, you know, ex exploration companies. They're more diversified as the you know integrated, fully integrated. Um, Exxon's even more diversified than Chevron, so you always have to be aware that you might think that. You know, it's they're all going to move in the same direction, but but you get this often where the uh, exploration moves differently than the integrated. Year to date performance, just to take a peek at that, communication services still on top with 37.89%. And again, this is more diversified. It's not just the S&P 500. You would look at this as the S&P 1500, um, and but that's excellent performance. Technology up still 29.1, consumer cyclical 14.9, and then utilities, you know, again, still suffering the whole year from the rise in interest rates and the lack of appeal. You know, people are still going after technology stocks where they hope to get some growth out of it. Um, Dave, you sent me this uh, bubbles chart. It's interesting, um, the uh, percent change. Ah, misspelling on weekly, not my fault there. Uh, weekly uh, change. Uh, look at the uh, outliers here on, well, we mentioned uh, RF in terms of the regional banking. I mean, it's already trading back below the level that it had, it had in March. Uh, but this uh, ENPH and SEDG, amazingly discounted. Any thoughts, Dave? This is solar stocks, um, big, uh, I think, drop in demand. Well, and also the, they're, they're, you know, they're not able to supply. You know, I mean, it's it's all great to to add it as as an assist, as an auxiliary, you know, as a long game and sort of moving in that direction. But in terms of just sheer energy output um, and especially when, you know, uh, things have been disrupted in the world in that area. Uh, it, it's just not a solution for, for everything, right? So I can see the lack of demand in that area. Good point. US dollar, that's the hourly. So the last couple of weeks here. And this is the weekly. So we've had this lo long run here from about middle to end of July until now we've been climbing. So this has put stress on basic materials and it should actually put some stress on oil, but oil has been, you know, impacted by other things. So it's actually, in my opinion, oil is stronger than it appears just because it's being held back by the strong U.S. dollar. 
So, you know, if the dollar was a lot weaker, oil would even fly uh, much, much higher than it has. So it's, it's stronger, in my opinion, than it appears. There's your crude oil chart. Again, looks like it's doing okay. Had a big drop a couple of days ago here, but, oh, that's the weekly, sorry. It had one that big down week, but uh, it's starting to recover a little bit. And then this, well, we don't have a chart of it, but you can go look at the daily yourself. There is, you know, this bit of an upturn. Um, it's not trading anywhere near its high, still room to move, move higher, but um, yeah, anyway, uh, gold, what do we got here? This is a weekly of gold. So suddenly it came roaring out of the gate when this uh, conflict started in the Middle East here. And it hasn't gone, so that's a weekly, for those two weeks, it hasn't gone up every single day uniformly. It, you know, it's one of those things where the pullbacks or the days where it sort of started down and, and went up or started up, pulled back, filled the gap or had a reversal. Those were the days that, uh, you know, were some good buying opportunity. I know gold's luster is, is definitely changed, you know, since the crypto thing. But in, in the long game, if there's more and more pressure on crypto through, um, obviously, the exposure is getting through all of the shenanigans that have gone on. You've heard of a, a lot of them already, FTX only being one of them. But uh, those kind of shenanigans, and also it really blossomed in, in an environment of low interest rates, you know, uh, free money. That's when those kinds of things really take off. And that's not the case now. There's, there's a much greater degree of, of uh, hardship or lack of free money. And so um, gold, gold has lost a lot of its luster and appeal since crypto came on the market. And I don't know that all of it will come back, but right now, when people start to see, you know, conflicts that uh, may escalate, uh, they go back to thinking about, you know, what can I have a store of value that's not going to be impacted by technology, you know, or by a banking crisis or whatever. So I think there's still some prospects for gold. So I understand both sides of the argument and, you know, you can probably have good discussions with gold bugs or gold haters, doesn't matter, because I, I tend to see both sides. There's the daily chart. You can see um, how we had that pullback in September. And, and that was really on the prospects of maybe we were going to have a soft landing. Everything was going to be okay. We we're going to come out of this fine. Um, and then, you know, we started to get a lot more concerns building. October had a bounce in it, but uh, there were still a lot of other things going on, uh, macro, and gold started to shine. So, and the thing is, the dollar is still relatively strong. So, gold is acting similar to energy in that sense, where uh, it's moving up in a way that it probably shouldn't with such a strong dollar. So that's an interesting story there. Now, IWM uh, versus SPY for the last five days, we could put like the Qs versus SPY or the Diamonds versus SPY, all that, but we don't have time for that. Um, 
but um, the last five days here of October uh, are generally softer. And when does that start, Dave? That starts on Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, so overall what it's saying here is that you combine all five days and you have very benign performance. The last three days are a little bit higher, but the last day pulls it down. So that's why you get this um, re final result of all five days. So the strength you know, of days three and four. How, yeah, and how, how I would play that is if, you know, it was, it does pop up, let's say day three or four, especially day four, uh, then I would lean on that short into the last day of the, of the month because that's historically down. And it's interesting that IWM Inspire, uh, you know, kind of similar in terms of performance there uh, because they've been acting pretty different all, all year <laughs> so far. And IWM is obviously the ones that have been struggling a lot more. But here's the thing. You remember how we've come into uh, November sometimes with IWM. It's been like a rocket ship. So um, never never count it down completely. You know, if I if IWM is soft, suffering, then it might be uh, a time to buy it too. So, and I think there's been enough studies done about how well the good quality small caps do from say you know a trading perspective intraday or open to close. Um, than you know some of the the larger uh, bloated type stocks. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, yeah. And, and I've seen that. Seen that. All right. So what what leaps out at you here with the ETFs? Yeah, for the last five days of the month, uh, it's really showing a lot of strength in tech uh, things like Arc funds, chips. XLK, QQQ, so it's a lot of risk on stuff for that five-day period, and softness in gold and oil, retail and communications, things like that. So for the overall window, it's, it's um, kind of more risk on. So um, that's, you know, that's incorporating all of those days, so it may not act like that uniformly, of course. All we might get all of it on day, like you said, three and four. So let's look at the stocks. And again, you want to align the stocks with the ETFs and try to work with, you know, the power of both of those. Again, high beta stuff here. But it's interesting is Enphase is on there and Tesla. Both of them got beat up this week. So maybe they have a rebound based on, on seasonality. But the rest of the well, I mean, arc funds. Yeah. There's only a 50% chance of it being up that 4.16%. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, Tesla, the same thing. Um, so it's kind of sitting on the fence. I would create if then statements for them because certainly it can pack a punch if it is going to move in the right direction for you. So I would I would use if then statements. I wouldn't lean on it too heavy when it's only a 50% chance of that outcome. And by the way, look at look at the positive values by change, percent change and negative. They're both 50-50. That's interesting. You don't often see that. You know, usually you see something like 70-30 or 60-40 or whatever, or 30-70, but not 50-50 exact. This is the last three days. That's where you're thinking there could be that pop. 
And um, again, I would focus on the ones that might give the, the best performance. A lot of chip stocks there, um, some financials, tech. Yeah, this is kind of strange though. I'm going to take a look at this because these percentages here are really strange compared to these ones. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Like very benign percentages where like with FXI, you've got minus 2.11, yeah. right? GDX minus one, you know, and so you got some good probability here to be down and some good move. So I would definitely favor the short side. I think, I think we're seeing that element of risk concern the sentiment is still bad so we kind of lean on that but but we also don't allow ourselves to be surprised by when things look at their worst we suddenly get a rally right right but sentiment's really bad we suddenly get a rally the market likes to do stuff that proves the most of the people wrong right it's always that way it's like when, when everybody's sure that we're going to crash then, uh, then it rallies. Uh, but I just I want to recheck on these numbers here because they seem a little bit strange that they're so small compared to yeah. uh, these other ones. Um, this is better here. This is a better balance. The stocks themselves last three days. Um, yeah, looks like some excellent performances. That F FSLR uh, had, keeps coming up here. Now keeps coming up. So, um, and then this is skewed for the three days on the stocks themselves. It's skewed a little bit more to the long side. And here's, uh, and then we also could do, you know, look at the last day um, and the first day. We'll do that next week. So next uh, Saturday or Sunday, whatever we get to the show, we'll uh, talk about the end of the month and the beginning of the new month because that will be. Both of those will occur, and the first Friday will occur next week, too. Copper. The reason I got copper in here is it's the thing that um, impacts you concerning is there a potential of a recession. So look at it starting to roll to the downside. So the last three weeks. Uh, so we had the market all year. Kind of saying that it's you know it's going to be a soft landing everything's going to be fine and i think we're starting to get more concerns about 2024 to 2025 that we could have some more serious issues and it could be uh, you know government politics that plays into it could be banking another banking crisis that plays into it could be um, war escalates uh, could be interest rates go up further, you know, um, it could be more defaults like you've seen in commercial real estate in China, um, even residential real estate in China. Um, you, you know, see some of those same issues in the U.S. Uh, could uh, could take hold. So we could have defaults. We could have bankruptcies. We could have. Um, you know, consumers starting to finally feel the pinch and not spending anymore. Um, so something's going on here. This is an early, copper's often been an early warning of that, okay? All right. Talk to us about the economic calendar, Dave. Yeah, so 
in terms of economic reports this week. Not much going on on Monday. Tuesday, we have the Case-Shiller Home Price Index. So we'll get, that's theme for the week as well, housing. And then we have the Flash U.S. Services for PMI and manufacturing. So that's the other theme, um, how services and manufacturing are doing for the week. Wednesday, again, new home sales. Thursday, GDP is important to see how hot the economy is staying. Um, again, some more pending home sales. And then Friday, we have a key one, the core PCE index. That's going to show us um, inflation data. So the themes are housing data. Um, the services and manufacturing show how strong the economy is, as well as GDP. And then finding some inflation data on Friday. All right. And we have some earnings this week. So we've been... You start you start the month of October on the lighter side, and then you get sort of banks and brokers, and then uh, now we're pushing into even more of the S and P 500 reporting. So uh, any standouts this week? Yeah, there's a lot of earnings, so you have to cross check your lists against that. But Tuesday we have Microsoft, that's a big one, and then on Wednesday Meta, and on Thursday Amazon. So that's three of those magnificent seven right there and we had tesla last week so this is a bigger week i think in terms of um earnings and maybe if they're unexpectedly well we could see the nasdaq turn around a bit but um if they're poor let's see this market go down farther possibly so those are three ones to watch okay all right well lots on the go you guys can uh, continue on with your research maybe we've dropped a few little seeds there uh, planted them you guys can water them, see them grow, and uh, hopefully you have a really good trading week. I know it is the, you know, coming into the, the end of another month pretty soon here, and um, lots going on. So stay on top of it, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thanks. Good luck.